Today's episode of the Happy Zen Podcast is brought to you by The Story Engine. Say goodbye to writer's block. Stop struggling and start creating. Generate story ideas, creative writing prompts, and D&D campaign ideas in seconds with The Story Engine Deck. Head to storyenginedeck.com and use the promo code HAPPYZEN to get 10% off your entire order just for being a fan of our show. And now, on to the episode. Some said they couldn't do it. Even more said they probably shouldn't. But here they are, bringing you another episode of the Happy Zen Podcast. Welcome your hosts, Adam and Matt. So I'd just like to inform you that up to this point, I have yet to be pulled over by the police for leaving my home and violating COVID protocol. Yeah, I don't think any of the police are doing that based on every single police force's Twitter account. (laughs) Wow. And by the way... Good to know they have healthy Twitter accounts because there's a lot of them and they're they're getting circulated very heavily today. And my only comment to anyone that happens to be in the space of working with the politicians, which I doubt anyone that listens to this is, but if you are, my my advice, as sound as it may may or may not may or may not be, just like work on the rules you got. Stop grasping at straws at rules you saw in some 80 or 90 sci-fi film that may or may not have involved the phrase escape from. Somebody's been watching my Twitter account. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but it's true. It's like, come on, just chill. Yes, people are idiots. And we've known this. We've said this for many, many times. And we're not the only podcast that said this. So let's just like calm some shit down, enforce the stuff you've got, get some needles and some arms. Like we said a year ago, this was going to be the most difficult time when people are about to get vaccinated, but it's not fast enough and the people can't handle it. And uh, yeah, you know, why did we make that? Why did we, why did we hypothesize that? Because we recognize that people are all unique and I'll use the word unique. So well, yeah, we, we now know that there is an end in sight. It's just how much damage will be done between now and that end. Yeah. Like, I can give so many analogies at this point in time, but, you know, a little bit of patience at this point, and people can tell me they've ran the patience out, blah, blah, blah. You know what? For the vast majority of people that have gone through this process in the first world country of Canada that, that we're in, I'm just going to pull a pause there for a second. And yes, there are people that have suffered during this process. I understand that. But I think if we look at a global scale and some of the suffering that's happened in countries that the word vaccine isn't even a word. So I just just hold your horses and we will get out of this shit together. Stop being selfish. Just it kills me. Anyways, anyways, moving on to more positive things, because I thought this was amazing because two things. One, I came up with this show's episode idea. So that's unique to begin with. And it's actually sound and well thought out. I do have one thing I want to talk to you about before we get into this. Okay, fair enough. Uh, So two things, actually. It has come to my attention that apparently I may have been just a little too hard on our friends Jesse and Adam over at the video film podcast, implying perhaps on social media that one of them may be dead by the other's hand by, say, episode 10. Apparently... 
that 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 might be a little strong. So I I, I rescind that. I'm just saying. Who, who thinks that was strong? There, there seemed like there was a bit of tension. They both. <laughs> it came up on, I think the latest episode. They uh, specifically <laughs> called called me out for making that statement, and were very puzzled as to where I would get that idea from. Uh, so so it's, instead of turning on each other, they're just going to focus their energy on you. It was, so if anything, you doing that saved them. Because most likely that was going to be the their anger. That's right. Yeah, you took their collective anger. You have shielded them both from each other. You've done a wonderful job. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. But uh, uh, on the topic of their podcast, something was said that I, I wanted to get your opinion on. You make me need, need to keep up with listening to their podcast, well, by the way. <laughs> this part, you, I'll explain enough. So before Disney bought uh, Marvel, a lot of Marvel movies were put out by Fox, and specifically the big ones were the X-Men movies. Uh, and when you think of the X-Men movies, just off the top of your head, the, the, the original series of films, uh, specifically the original cast set, so not the... Uh, Prequel. So Hugh, Hugh Jackman, we yeah. run the huge Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart timeline. Yeah. So of those ones, which ones would you say was the best or or the the, the better ones? Logan. Okay. <laughs> um, of the X Men X two X three. Sure. Logan. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I mean X the first one because it introduced the, the characters to us at some point in time was great because we wanted to see all of them uh don't have fond memories of two or three um a lot of criticism of three trying to do a really important storyline and they did it a really poor way um maybe maybe you can say that they did it the best they could with the technology they had but they had all the money at the time so felt like they could have just been a little more patient and done that storyline way more justice i mean the fact that they in the Dark Phoenix and never went to space. I just kind of fucking threw it all into like trying to make up a new story that didn't need to be made up because the story, the comic books had done it so incredibly well that it funded the need to make the movie in the first place. So why would you go change how it was done? You, you thought you could improve upon one of the best comic storylines ever made, ever written and published in a book. And then you, tried to do that i liked the cast i thought there were some good castings back then at the time wasn't so, the biggest fan halle berry but anyways but anyways yeah that's, that's my thought of process x3 um yeah no i'm not really into that one so so as you speak uh about x3 and, and it comes to your mind as to the the problems with that film i was listening to the i believe the latest episode of the video film podcast. And I nearly drove off the street and into the ditch dying a quick and swift death. I hope, uh, because it, during the episode, Adam specifically said that of the X-Men movies, the third one was probably his favorite. Oh, and I nearly died. <laughs> the wit, the, the, the oxygen just, just sucked out of my lungs and I couldn't breathe. And I almost swerved off the road. I was shocked. I couldn't even, I, I didn't know that there was anybody on this planet that that was like, that's the one. The only way I could have been more surprised 
would been had he said like X Men Origins Wolverine was the best one. I was just gonna say that I'm like if and if that was to be elevated to because I mean I struck that from my memory until you just were spoke, speaking there that I forgot that was a film and the only reason I remember it was because it was the Ryan Reynolds movie where they didn't let him talk. Uh, that's and quite frankly that might have been what saved it if he would have talked. Um, but yeah. yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I just I was very yeah. surprised by that statement, and I was I I couldn't. And and he was very, he seemed confused because Jesse also was obviously not a huge fan of X three, and, yeah. and Adam was very surprised by, by his dislike of X three, and I couldn't possibly wait to be like, am I crazy? Am I the weird one here? Like for for me, it's like if I didn't know the comic story at all, so if I didn't know the Dark Phoenix storyline and how big of a deal it was, and you know, the impact it had and, you know, the comic lore aspect of it all. I might be a little less harsh on X3 because it did have a bigger budget. It did have more opportunity to do things. I think they gave some more characters a little more space, they had more development, et cetera, et cetera. So in, in the trilogy line, it, I, I mean, trying to think about it in a vacuum and and separate it from the comics. But the problem is Marvel has taught, taught us that you don't have to separate it from the comics. In fact, you have to embrace it and search for what comic it was that they're they're leveraging. And that's what they've done to us now for like how many 10 plus years now from the MCU, right? So we're kind of like, I think we've been accustomed to doing it that way. So now if I look back in retrospect on those X movies, I have a hard time even liking them because it's now, I, now that I see what you can do from the studio, it's sure. hard to appreciate what they did. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, and I mean, if you try to take it into that vacuum space on its own, it's just, okay, this was the first real crack. It had a good chunk of change. It had some good cast. It definitely didn't hold back on dollars. Yeah, there's a lot of positive. And it was at the time, but if I transport my back, myself back in time, it was relatively exciting to have the X-Men in live action. So it was kind of cool. It did a lot of storylines that you kind of liked. But I, I just, I don't, I struggle with X3. And I feel like there was always this push up against some of the bigger Wolverine storylines that they, they tried too hard to make part of the common line for everybody. There was, it was too hard of a mishmash and, and they didn't let those individual story arcs go well. And that was part of the problem. And so when I look back on that, the reason the first one works is because you do the, all of that introductory stuff. Mm -hmm. And so the introductory stuff can always go well because it's kind of is introductory for everybody. The individual story arcs, which was part of the bread and butter of amazing, amazingness of X-Men is that you can go off on these story arcs, arcs for individual characters and you can supplement other panels with little pieces moving people along, getting ready for their swings of arcs. Um, and that all worked really well. The, and the Marvel Universe has taught us you can do that in film and television. Um, and, but back then, they were still using the old Hollywood recipe of mismashing everybody together into a storyline, even if they didn't really belong there. And that was... I can't even remember the premise of X3 other than Dark Phoenix. Yeah, well, I mean, that was it. And then also they tried to introduce a whole bunch of uh, villain mutants that they just made up, even though I don't know how many hundreds of mutants had already existed at that point. And I think that was the one where Magneto was living in the woods. And uh, it was also the one where Cy Cyclops dies off screen. <gasps> oh, my God. I really struck that from my memory. Yeah. I mean, which even if you looked at, at those films in a vacuum, that was kind of bizarre. Although... Jesse mentioned, and I don't, I don't know, I didn't know this at all. He said that the reason that happened was because the actor that played Cyclops 
had signed on to do uh, yeah. Superman Returns. So they were so pissed at him that they just killed him off screen, which I thought was actually uh, quite hilarious, uh, which in both movies turned out to be uh, shit. So anyways, I was just kind of surprised by that. And uh, yeah, I mean, and again, nothing against Adam. He He's absolutely entitled to his opinion. I was just very surprised by, of all of them, he's, that was the one that, you know, I don't know, maybe I got to go back and watch it again, but. It's... I look at the I look at the old photos from the movie because I can probably walk through. Oh yeah, yeah, this is right. Um, the most powerful mutant to ever exist, and Wolverine was able just to gutter with the, his claws. Yeah, that's right. Now I remember why I hated this film. They they tried at no point to adhere to any of the comic book lore that was so important to the fans to get this movie in the first place. Yeah. I mean, look, look, now, I remember, now I remember. Honestly, again, had he said X Men Origins Wolverine, I would have told everybody to stop listening to the podcast. He didn't say that. So, uh, yes, yes, I, and I, the and the let's go create our own villains, villains, <laughs> because Marvel doesn't have enough to pick from. Yeah. Um, we're gonna go create our own because we're better than them. Yeah, yeah. This is a reminder of why Fox doesn't have the titles anymore, and they're slowly all getting pulled away. And we will see. Very quickly, when the MCU... Well, listen, uh, on that note, I was reading that the they've announced some ideas that they're going to do with the Wolverine anthology, and they're going to make it a Disney Plus series. And the idea is they're going to follow kind of like American Horror Story, where they're going to jump each season to different points in time of Wolverine's life, and they're going to thread it all together. And this is going to be the insertion for mutants. And I think that's just fucking awesome. Like, if that's how... The anthology idea of Wolverine, because the comics have done that. They've jumped all over because the guy's like ageless, right? Mm -hmm. So we could have all kinds of places here. And they said the first place they're going to start so far, and we'll see this holds up to be true, is the 80s. Which, based on the MCU we have right now, we only have, what, the Guardians of the Galaxy, a little tidbit of some stuff that happened in the 80s. And then we've had nothing else, right? Because Captain Marvel was the 90s, or we've had World War One. Yeah, I think there was maybe a flashback in one of the Ant-Man movies briefly to an 80s yeah. flashback. But yeah, not nothing really focused on that timeline. No, yeah. so it's gonna be, it'd be pretty cool if that's how we're going to see this anthology thing. And you know how they're going to dovetail like stuff happening and how close it brushed up to ship, but yet didn't overlap. And they're going to have so much fun with it. And uh, we're going to get a real sense of what one of the best books Marvel's done getting a chance to be in the MCU is going to be well, and I'm referring to the X-Men title at large and all of the characters. So it'd be amazing how they take that really quality material and how they pick certain storylines and insert them and attach this whole world together. Well, and they're already starting to like uh, in the Falcon, the winter soldier, we're already seeing places like Mandripoor, which plays a pretty big part in the X-Men specifically Wolverine. Yeah. God uh, lore. Damn. That that series is so good. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I can't good. when it's done. We've we've got to go do a deep dive into that because like my, it's my youngest was crying at one point and then cheering relentlessly at one point, and I'm like, wow, that's uh, over two different episodes. It's amazing. So, anyways, yeah, okay. So we so got wait, here wait. because you watched a particular movie. Was it this week or last week? Uh, yeah. So I so I broke down and I finally used the Cineplex app and got a film because I haven't really done anything with the few theaters. And so I, I rented one for home and we, we went with uh, uh, Kong versus Godzilla, which was really good. 
I liked it. So, but anyways, we'll talk about that movie in a different day. We had a bit of a um, monster universe or whatever the hell they're called uh, weekend. So we did we did uh, the Godzilla movies, we did Kong, uh, Skull Island, and then we watched Kong versus Godzilla. And I got to admit that universe is getting put together really well. I, uh-huh. I kind of like it. I, I think it's doing they're doing very well for that. And I I used to watch all the old like men in suits from the sixties and seventies Japanese films. I watched them all, man. Uh, I even bought some of them. So I like what they that, did with the monarch stuff to tie it all yeah. together. Like that was a really yeah. smart way of doing it. Yeah, and and it's they've done. I mean, I still stand by that they can put good cast in there, the high level stars. Doesn't detract from the film. They're not asked to do too much. Um, it's fine. And, and having them and not having them doesn't really matter. So, uh, anyways, it was uh, definitely fun to watch that film. It was it was just good. Um, but in following it up, uh, I think it was like twenty four hours later. I was reading that the director. Um, with all the success he's getting right now for the work he did with that film, uh, it's come out to fruition that he really wants to make a live action Thundercats, and apparently that's uh, it's going to be a go. It's going to be a go ahead that he's going to be allowed to uh, to direct a live action Thundercats, and there's a lot of excitement over this because I guess he wrote a um, a script or um, back in like his teenage years, like this is something he's always wanted to do coming from his childhood, which is great because it's our childhood too. Uh, I'm a massive Thundercats fan. Always loved them. Um, really going to be surprised to see how this works. Like, I mean, deep down inside, I just, I fully suspect the Thundercats are going to get one film, and everyone's going to be like, "Okay, well, we did it. Maybe we shouldn't have, but we did." <laughs> and now we're going to move on, like GI Joe, uh, or maybe they'll bleed it out like GI Joe too many. But yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, um, it, it should be interesting. Like Adam Wingard's a guy that I've been following for a long time. Um, I saw. You're next at TIFF in 2009, I think it was. It took a couple of years for it to get released, and I was praising it for for years until it came out. And then The Guest was his follow-up, which is another fantastic film. Yeah, it was good. I think they're both on Netflix now or mm-hmm. Prime or both something. Yep. And, then, and then he got to do the, the Blair Witch sequel, which was actually quite good, I thought. It, it tied mm-hmm. into the original really well. I think he, he, he has he has this thing, I think, that showed up really well at Blair Witch on his ability to like really hold original product well, mm-hmm. treat it well, but then like compliment and build past that. I, I even think that when you think of the the Kong and Godzilla piece, like he's just he didn't there's no retconning, there's no adjusting, there's no real hard pivots to some new direction that and he tries to justify it. He's just really able to grow upon what's there and it works well. And he doesn't like if there's a trajectory, he's able to amplify that, but not like change the course. And so and I think it's it's pretty good, especially when you're gonna think about taking like a Thundercats thing, which they've tried to do with cartoon reboots over the years. And I, I think if he does the stuff we grew up with in the childhood, our childhood, you can have a lot of fun with that. I think too, because he seems to be like from what I've seen, he's very much like a a nerd for this stuff. He's very much a fan, so he has that respect to not fuck around with it. Like he. Like there's no need to it's and so far uh he's been given pretty good leeway and because of the success i think of godzilla versus kong i, I believe it's if not the top uh if it, it's got to be one of the top films of this year i mean now that's sort of has an asterisk beside it the way things have been going but uh, it's done well enough that i think he's getting free reign now before we get into this too much i do want to point out the other movie that he's working on which is I don't. I who had ever thought this needed a sequel was uh, Face Off Two. Oh yeah, which so is actually wanna, is a sequel. 
from what I've heard. I didn't want to bring this up because I feel like it discredits him. I mean, I don't know. Or, or he's I got feel a good like, track record. I don't, who knows? I feel like this is the hey, look, you got the Godzilla thing. We're going to give you Thundercats the thing you want. You've done some good original pieces of your own. Here's the real Hollywood test. We're going to give you a sequel no one asked for, no one wants. We're going to give you stars that people really don't want to work with anymore or want to watch. And, and we're going to see what you can do with that. And I think that's like the, we're putting you into a burning building and giving you a bottle of water to get out. And I think you'll do it, but I have no interest in watching that whatsoever. Because, I mean, what the fuck do you do for a sequel? Like, Well, I mean, that alone kind of makes me want to see it, just to see what's off twice. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, maybe, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't or is know. it going to be hair transplant? For Travolta, when we, when we get more information on this, we will we will touch back on it. But uh, you know what I'm, I'm going to give you sad is that we are going to get more information on that. That's the sad part. And I even my, my kids, my oldest, heard, we were in the car when they were announcing Face Off too. Some radio DJ was ripping it apart. She's like Face Off. I'm like here, take my phone, phone, Google it. She's looking at it. And she's like, what the hell? I'm like, look, it's John Woo. You got to understand this is important. There's an important thing John Woo did in the cinematic universe. It's called two guns. Yeah. Two guns and jumping. And I tried to explain this to her, and she's like, And it was the 90s, and it she's was... She's like, but everybody does that. I go, I know, it's because of John Woo. And I said, sure. that's the thing. Yeah. She's like, why does Nicolas Cage look like he's psychotic? And I'm like... Because well, he, he is. <laughs> I'm like, because he is. He had his face come off, honey. It's, it messes with your head. She's like... She goes, why is that gun all gold? I'm like, and she just started calling stuff out that I'm like, I can't justify any of this. <laughs> so anyways... um. I said you had to be there was a line I worked with. And then when she said, oh, but we're not going to be anywhere near face off too, right? It's not a documentary. I mean, come on. Of course, it's it's it's, it's made up bullshit. I mean, what do you want? All right. So what was your plan today? What were you thinking? Okay, so what the idea was let's fan cast Thundercats. Let's you and I, because I mean, I went on, online and looked at the, the big the big hoopla was like Brian Reynolds to be Lionel. Which I actually don't think is a good idea. I love Brian Reynolds and anything he does because he gets to be kind of himself. Lino was not sarcastic or witty. Um, he wasn't really the sharpest pencil in the box. So you really can't let Brian Reynolds be Lino because he'll give too much character to a guy who really didn't have that much character. He was really spoiled brat on steroids that eventually learns the life lesson necessary to succeed that he was taught by his friends. And and he usually messed up first and corrected his action. Ryan Reynolds isn't that guy. So so I just hope they, they don't go there. And there's lots of places they can go, which had me thinking, who the hell could they put there? Um, and then who else could they put everywhere, everywhere else? What could this look like? So I threw it out to you, and you're like, yeah, it's a really good idea. And uh, more we thought about it, I think it's the whole episode. And uh, we, we kind of did a little bit of other stuff here, but uh, quite frankly, there's a lot to talk through. And sitting down, we had to kind of, you know, make the list not huge. So we kind of stuck to, you know, the main Thundercats, but mostly just season one. Okay. So the main Thundercats that were in season one and the main bad guys that were in season one. And we didn't get all the extras, like the bangle guy that showed up later in life. Like we didn't get the, the ones that came later. We just stuck with the one from the first couple of seasons um, because you start like all of the Hasbro style cartoons from the eighties and nineties the cast expands because the action figures are selling. So we didn't go down that road. 
Although the storyline of Thundercats, because you're from a different planet, like Transformers opened itself in this really cool way to bring people along at any point in time because they could be. It was very pod. much like Transformers, actually. If you look at the and because of this, I had to find which, by the way, was not easy. Uh, I, I've tracked down the uh, the first episode to watch just to kind of refresh myself. I must have gone through so many phishing and malware websites to find the stupid episode. I could not find it on YouTube. I don't know if Rankin Bass has a bunch of lawyers that just go around pulling this stuff down. Now, it's funny you say that because a couple of years ago, I remember watching uh, Transformers and Thundercats, like the first three seasons on YouTube. They're yeah. all there at that point in time. So now that we've seen the conversation, I'm wondering if even the Thundercats were recently pulled maybe from YouTube because they were there not that long ago. Yeah, it could be because the uh, the studio maybe doesn't want that that out there. But yeah, so I went, I found that. I watched that uh, first episode. You got me digging through wiki pages about these characters because I had, I mean, I knew like, visually I could re- I could remember all of them, but I couldn't remember yeah. personality or, or what they specifically did. And, so, and, and that's and that's when I realized I watched the show too much because <laughs> when I was when I was fan casting this, I'm like, well, there's two angles I can take this character. So what angle am I going to do? And then that angle will determine who I'm going to cast, and that's going to determine how I cast these other like how I did Chitara dictated how I was going to do Tigra. Because they're like the same age, roughly, and so there's a similarity to them. Like they're like a they're like a yin and yang kind of concept mm. where they needed to be casted very similar. You couldn't be too extreme on the ages on that. I that's how that's how I approached it, anyways. Actually, that's a good point because I I had to yeah. go through like IMDb and figure out ages of people because there was times where I was like, okay, that guy's going to be 20 years older than that person, and that doesn't quite yeah. make sense. Yeah, like, you, I I did try to keep it close. But I don't know about you, like, I still haven't, in my own mind, come to the conclusion as to how these people will be. Like, is it going to be CG? Uh, is it going to be... Cats. It's going to be like cats. Oh, okay. So really... <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't. Please don't make it like cats. Please don't. I, I guess my thinking was... CG. I, I didn't... These people don't physically need to fit the body type. They, they'll they figure a way to do it. That was like movie magic will fix that that part of it. Yeah. I'm like if Benedict Cumberbatch can put a bunch of ping pong balls and crawl around to be a giant dragon. Right. From smog. I'm pretty sure they can figure out how all these characters will be yeah. the, the cats. Right. So, right. you know, I watched a clip on that the other day with him doing his whole thing. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, Cumberbatch is amazing. Um, and it was actually in the rabbit hole of like, is Cumberbatch Mumra? But he's not in my list, but he could have been. But after watching that smog thing, I'm like, hmm, maybe he could be. Uh, so anyways. Yeah. So, it was, it, so did you go for personality? Me, is that where you went? Like, you, Or yeah, were you I, actually I, going I, for the look? Or what, what were you thinking? I, I wanted them to embody, like I want them to be able to portray some of the personality. You know, what, you know what made me think of it a little bit too was like, I was thinking how, well, Ryan Reynolds, okay, just to go there for a second. Mm-hmm. So how he portrayed exactly how a real life Deadpool would be, right? Like took it from the pages and really gave us life to what we expected it to be. And I don't know, I, I watched, of all things, I watched the um, Detective Pikachu, Pikachu movie the other day. All right. Fuck, that was good, by the way. Very funny. Uh, and it made me realize, like, even not seeing the character... Like, like there's a lot of personality that can be portrayed um and it works really well so, so i thought about that a bit too like who could it, who could get who's done something that makes me think they could do 
and this this persona because some of these personas were i think are especially on the good guys on the actual thundercats their personas were pretty polarizing so you could find a character to to live up to that polarizing piece uh and even i think on the henchmen a little bit too like the um the uh uh the the mutants of plundar or whatever they were called there um i think there's per- like living personalities mumra i thought was actually the hardest <laughs> To, to do i thought lino would be the hardest which he was to a degree but mumra ended up being way more challenging so um but anyways i i i, I end up with honestly it two sometimes three um uh, because i just couldn't make my mind up and i thought maybe we were just tossing names out because i think some of our names might overlap and if not you might say something that i've like way more in line with or maybe i'll say something you're more in line with because you just didn't think of it because all i have to say is those that are in the casting agency that do this type of work for a living I don't know how the hell you do it because I mean, budget's got to help you a lot because when we do this with no budget, it's way different. <laughs> when you're going through the list of names, it's like a budget doesn't matter. Like this is a $400 million movie on the cast. I've outlined <laughs> probably. Yeah. I, I don't have a hundred percent confidence in a lot of my picks, but uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's tricky. I, I also kind of went more of a, personality could i see this person stripped away from what the character looks like could i see this person fitting that personality and again let you know special effects kind of fix the rest um how do you want to do this so, like what sort of order do you want to go i was thinking we go bottom to top of either thundercats or the the bad guys first and where we want to go but I did, I did give you a list ahead of time that kind of worked you up from like the lesser known to the most known. So yeah, like we either start with we start with Snarf and work our way up to Lino, or we start with Ratar, the rat guy, and work our way up to Mumra. It's whatever you want to do. Um, okay, let's do the bad guys. Uh, okay. I, I think first. I can't wait. I, this, there's two of them in here that's going to be hilarious in terms of who I picked. So, and I think they work really well. My just I have very good justifications for it. I should say that this is definitely in line with the theme of this podcast, because as you are obviously well aware, it was a huge thing in like the nineties on like in wizard magazine to do these castings of, well, X-Men was a perfect example. Yeah. Uh, they, they would always cast any uh, of them. And it was anyway. great. Yeah. So this is, this is our, uh, our, our throwback to that. Well, I'll let you if, start. If, I guess. We should, okay. I'll start. And we should definitely do this more often, by the way. <laughs> um, and this is something maybe we can get Jesse and Adam to come on with we can pick something from our collective 90s youth and uh maybe we fan cast it they, they may re- not be talking to me anymore but we'll see or we, or we recast something like we can do x3 like we know what adam's picks will be but the rest of us can pick better actors for the more appropriate movie anyways i'm so sorry <laughs> okay so we are starting with go ahead we're gonna start with ratar ratar which was this, this the the rat mutant from plunder hold on and, uh, He's got an O. It's Ratar O. So half of them have that. <laughs> Anyways, um, I have two here, and, and I'm just going to give you one for now because there's a there's a thing just. So I went with Kristen Stewart. Okay, go. Uh, okay, well, go on. Go on. First of all, she's kind of lifeless at most of the time, and somewhat creepy in the things she does. And I think personally, given, wow. her the ability, okay. yeah. given her the ability to emulate that, I think she can 100% do that. She was not a damsel in The Huntsman at all. Okay, no, in fact, in okay. fact, 
at times she could have just stayed in the swamp and fit right in. And I feel like she could have taking that persona of no personality could totally fit into Rodaro. Cause she okay. wasn't going to be a forefront henchman. She's like, she's probably the first to die, like, or get beaten up. Right. Like inadvertently. So, you know, between her and Vulture Man were the ones that, you know, always get their asses kicked the most. So you've got some baggage for Kristen Stewart that we need no, to I unpack just, it another I, day. I think she could do well at it. I wasn't trying to be mean. I mean, just legitimately. But you can see if this is what my <laughs> Rotaro is, you can imagine how expensive this film's going to get. Yeah, I, I just want to read a line here under uh, uh, powers and abilities on this wiki page for Rotaro. <laughs> Arrogant and domineering leader, Rotaro is a mutant commander. So I just want to point out that's who you've casted Kristen Stewart yeah. as a arrogant and domineering leader. That sounds about right. Okay. All right. Who'd you have? Uh, greatest supporter appears to be Vulture Man, who served him loyally. Interesting. Uh, I, I guess I didn't go with such inspired casting. And I guess clearly you also are relying on the special effects to uh because this is this is in fact a humanoid uh rat person with one large tooth in the center of their mouth Uh, i i guess went a different way although perhaps uh maybe i should have not i went with willem dafoe oh that would be really good yeah i like yours better so much better I, i thought I thought he was he could play like the serious and and the 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 arrogant and the leader kind of thing but also could play enough of it that he the thing with these 80s cartoons is like even the bad guys are usually have like a moment where they're a, kind of a bumbling idiot or they're they're sniveling or you know they have that kind of like weakness to them so I, he could I thought he could play that part again I, I'm no, he's no Kristen Stewart I clearly I'm really curious now for the rest of these. He is a much better pick, but but I just wanted to say, I felt like I wanted to go somewhere a little bit more youthful, and I was trying to pick someone that was bigger during our generation of growing up in terms of like in our young tw- in our twenties. She made her impact on Hollywood, so having her inserted into this, I felt like was like part of our generation. So okay. that, that was part of it as well. But that's my only real left field. I think from there, I'm actually going to hit like home runs. I, I, before we move on so to the next one, just so, you don't feel, just so you don't feel 100% left out, Kristen Stewart is technically on my list at some point somewhere. So we'll get there. <laughs> what, what the fuck? Really? That's funny. Yeah. It, yeah. But I don't, think I, I don't think I'll like where you have her. Um, so Vulture Man... I was thinking about this actor is known for having very like huge roles, but also is willing to do like those little niche roles where you can't even tell it's that person. Like they'll do, it's not Tom Cruise, but it's in that vein where like they'll go do something in a movie. Be like, Oh my God, that's that person. So I went vulture man, Matt Damon. Hmm. Okay. And why, why, why Matt Damon? Because I think it's like a henchman that is um, not like he's 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 a, he's a follower. He's not a leader. He's very um, 
the voice was really annoying. He was always like just wasn't organized. First one to get butt kicked. Like it was, it was all that kind of stuff. Like it was just it was the lesser of the henchmen that was also stood out to me the most. I don't know. Like it, I mean, it just I felt like the vultures stood out more than the other ones. They all kind of kind of blended together a bit nicer. Um, and I just think Bat and David would give that 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 fucking vulture man some life. So there was a there was a couple other people I was considering, but at the end of the day, Matt Damon just won. Well, and that is a good point. I mean, there are certainly going to be characters where they could be improved uh, in in this film yeah. from their animated counterparts for sure. But my runner up was Michael Keaton. Okay, uh, any reason for that? Birdman. Yeah, that's kind of where I thought you were going with that. Fair enough. Uh, I went a little bit more on the comedy side for this character because, I mean, with the personality uh, right up on the Wikipedia page kind of mentions that he tends to break ranks with the mutants, will join up with other enemies, will try to go solo, you know, usually fails, but will try to do his own thing. So I went, uh, I was thinking like a better call Saul and I went with Bob Odenkirk for the, uh, for the vulture man role. Yeah. yeah like a, it. like a, a slimy kind of possibly backstabbing, but can also fall in line uh, when he has to, but is always kind of thinking uh, how he could benefit himself or, or, or kind of go solo or, or, you know, if he's sees another enemy that could be beneficial, then, he'll take whatever side works best for him. And uh, that, that that's where I went with that one. Fair enough. I'm still holding Matt Damon. I still feel like he fits that role. Yeah, sure. Um, okay. So Jackalman. So, so Jackalman, and this is, I didn't check the fandom page for this one, but I remember this Jackalman and Slith or Slythe, whatever you want to call them. They're the rat type that the rat type, the lizard type dude that was like the, the, the main henchman for Mumra. You had you had Slythe and your Jackalman were always like joined, right? right. They're 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 always together. All they're, they're always together. Okay. And that extremely affected how I picked both these characters. So I'm gonna actually say them together. Right? So Jackalman was Simon Peck. Okay. And so you know what Slythe's gonna be. I, I have a feeling. But I'll let you say it. It's going to be Nick Frost. Wow. Now, are you going with like the bumbling idiot pair? Is that where you're thinking? I'm or? going with exactly who they are. Just take okay. take them from their Cornetto trilogy. Make one of them a hairy jackal and one of them a slimy lizard. In fact, their, their proportions of their bodies in respect to each other is perfect for these two characters. And their interaction level, very high. Slythe being in charge, but incompetent. Jackalman knowing a little bit better, but can't deliver. I mean, it just matches everything they've done with almost all their characters together when they go into films together. Okay, all right. And so it was. I thought it was just a slam dunk that the two of them could pull that off. And when it comes to uh, when it comes to voice work and just all that, they can do it. They can do all of this. They can do the physical comedy. They can. They've proven they can do physical like actual action they can do all this shit man they can do it well and we're bringing some british voice talent giving it a little class that you know maybe oh there's class coming there's class coming don't worry about that all right all right so so slythe you've got nick frost and jackalman you've got simon Pegg, correct yeah you got it okay 
Well, then I guess I'll work. I'll do mine as well. Uh, for Jackalman, I, I I threw a few names. This was actually the one spot where I briefly did consider Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I, didn't, yeah, yeah. I didn't put him here, but I, I he was a, a consideration. I actually went uh, with Dave Chappelle. <laughs> and I thought because there was mention that Jackalman does sometimes get some, you know, humorous lines and stuff. But I also could see him. It'd be interesting seeing him as like the bad guy. But also I always I pictured him. He'd be like. um, Like a like a like a union bad guy, like he's he's always taking his breaks. He's always, you know, like, I don't know. I just I had that feeling like I think it'd be funny if he, he was he knows it's not going to work. Yeah, he's the one calling it. This isn't going to work. He's just <laughs> not he's just putting in his time. He's taking his breaks when he's supposed to. He knows what what's expected of him, and he's got the the, the remarks, you know. And he's somewhat surrounded by idiots, and he knows it. Yeah. However, on a, sort of a reverse side of that, for Slythe, I went with somebody who you do think of sort of um a, a leader role but I would hope that he would play it a little bit, maybe less so. Uh, and that was, I went with uh, Tom, Tom Hiddleston. So Loki. Oh. So he would have that, I... that, that, that voice and that, that kind of posturing. But I think it'd be funny that he, you know, if he had that, but he was usually a failure and, you know, the, the Dave Chappelle Jackalman ended up being the one that was more of the level. They actually made sense and knew what was actually going to go happen and i thought tom hiddleston and and dave chappelle working together would be an interesting an interesting pairing that that i hadn't i i I, I think that pairing alone would be awesome and again i mean if i thought i had a big budget oh yeah no no this is a stupid budget this is uh this is we have all of the money this is starting to double mine yeah uh okay well moving on well i did put down mamut the, you know, the dog that Mumra had. Um, mm. I don't remember it ever really speaking a lot, but it would make noises. And who knows? I mean, I mean, Wolverine killed Dark Phoenix with a claw to the gut. So, I mean, maybe Mum Mumut speaks, right? And if that's the case, it's got to be voiced by somebody that's really good and capable of bringing something to life that people don't know they wanted until they had it. So I went with Phil Lamar. Legendary voice, uh, voice work uh, person. Yeah, if sure. you're going to put money in the bank on someone for voice work, and uh, and because he, I don't think he could do the snarf. I had someone else. I have someone else for snarf, which I want voice work again. Uh, but I just think Lamar. If you give him something that, like the high expectations or a big impact, or no one really knows what to expect, but it can steal the show. Phil Lamar can do that, and so that's where I thought. That's where I'm going to go with that one. Just looking at the powers and abilities. Why am I even on this website? Uh, Under powers and abilities for Mamut, uh, it says, well, incapable of speech because of his canine physiology, he appears to be a sentient being of roughly human intelligence, capable of following complex plans and successfully posing as Mumra and mobilizing the mutants. He was also able to speak in this form, presumably because it possessed a more articulated mouth and vocal cords. So in that case, when he is pretending to be Mumra, he does have a voice. So I think... So Phil Phil Lamar works great for that. Yeah, because he could could mimic probably whoever you've got, 
enough, but at the same time, you would obviously know it wasn't him. But then he could do all the the, the sound effects uh, as well. So no, I think Phil Lamar is a great pick. Yeah, who'd you, who'd you have? Uh, I kind of went. I mean, my I wasn't sure on the the, the voice thing. Uh, so I, I did go again with somebody who's lately at least has done a lot more animated voice work, even though he is doing acting as well. I went with Nick Kroll, uh, who lately has been on Big Mouth. Uh, he's uh, the name is going to escape me now. The main kid on Big Mouth, but he does a lot of voices and stuff as well. If he does Mumra, it would be great because his Mumra voice would be not at all sounding like Mumra. It would sound like a really cheap imitation, which I think would be kind of hilarious, but at the same time would be funny because the mutants would actually listen and believe. So it would again show how ridiculous these mutants are and how stupid they might be. So yeah, I went with Nick Kroll for Mamut, the pet of Mumra. So now we got a big one. Yeah. So I, I end up with like three people here. And this was hard. And, and I'll go with all three because they don't really have long explanations. They, they kind of make they explain themselves a little bit. And it, I think it kind of goes on the level of budget that this film's going to be. Okay, and they kind of work like this. So if it's like uh, straight, straight to VHS, um, <laughs> it's Tobin Bell, who was from the Saw films. Right, okay. Like Jigsaw, okay? Because mm-hmm. I, th- I think he could do... Because remember, Mumra's going to be... The old mummy, where he does all the real, and that's where the real acting is going to be. And then he's Mumra, where he's all like, that's all CGI. Like, it really doesn't matter who the hell the actor was at that point, right? They're just yelling, and it's just violence, and it's just whatever, right? It doesn't matter anymore. Um, all the intellectual parts of Mumra are going to be when he's a frail mummy. So I thought Tobin Bell worked for that on low budget. Medium budget, somewhat high, but mostly medium. Richard Brake, the Night King. Okay. Right. He was in a few other things too. He was, um, uh, was it Joe Frost in Batman Begins? He was trying to, 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 you have to look him up to see his face and you'd be like, you know what? Guy kind of is Mumro without the CGI. <laughs> so it's like, he, save a few, and, a few pennies. And, and he can do well. I think he can do the, the, the sinister imposing without having to say a crazy amount of lines and the lines he does deliver he'll to give and he's got the british thing going on so it works now if we're going no no budget pulling out all the stops and we want a home run and we just want to go this is always going to work and it's just going to work well um gary oldman as in 1992 dracula gary oldman and gary oldman who can do anything Gary Oldman. Yeah, okay. <laughs> just, just, enough, he can yeah. do anything, right? Like, just give it to Gary Oldman and let him watch the cartoon and the trailer for a couple of days and then watch when he does a break character and freak the fuck out everybody. Like, there you go, Gary Oldman. There you go. Yeah, that's interesting because you actually probably went the smarter way because I, I wasn't thinking you know, so the much. physical bumper, didn't you? <laughs> well, yeah, I kind of did, and I probably shouldn't have. What, Vinnie Jones, The Rock? <laughs> I, I did have... <laughs> Well, shit, now you've ruined it for me. Oh, my mom pick was Dwayne Johnson. No way, really? Uh, I, I, to be honest, I did have, um, had he still been alive, uh, looking at it from the more decrepit Mumra, I, I actually thought of like a, like Alan Rickman. Because uh, I, 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 like for the old, like, d- yeah, d- d- yeah. yeah. But Ra- uh, Ra- I also had Ralph Fiennes got, got cut off the list. 
Mm-hmm. I cut him off for Gary Oldman, but I mean, it was right there. I think those two are terrifying human beings when they want to be, so they're just they can do what they want. Yeah, but Rick I mean, would have been good too. But but I, again, he's dead. So my, my Dwayne Johnson is is definitely a gamble. Uh, I don't think he'd have a problem, obviously, as the you know super powered tough version of Mumra. It would be a real interesting uh, to see how he plays the quiet, thinky, planning Mumra. I, I, I don't know. It's funny. Know. My cast, they have to CGI Mumra up. Your cast is CGI Mumra down. It's, it's true. Yeah, yeah. In that in that instance, for sure, he's just like, okay, so I just you just paint me like blue or gray. Yeah. Yeah. Give me the helmet and the sword. And I'm that guy. Whereas yeah, and the rest, the rest of the time, it's shots from the head up. Yeah, you can't do the rest of your body. It's too expensive to CGI you down. <laughs> I need you to do what they did in Captain America, where they made uh, Chris Evans just that dinky little kid with the big head. That's what I need you to do. <laughs> just gonna cost you more because I'm bigger. Yeah. So my budget is ten billion dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Before they walk on set. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I mean, we got a good cast for villains. I'm I'm super excited where we go with the actual Thundercats now, because I think this could be interesting. Yeah, I, um, I, we, we do have a good, like, I, I could certainly pick and choose from both sides and, and we could yeah, get something. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you, you definitely, I think we actually have a solid cast for villains to be entertaining. Um, so Snarf was really, really, really easy. He was, in fact, the first person I picked. Simple. Mark Hamill. Okay. Come on, the voice—he's he's, a legendary he's voice there. actor as well. Yes, absolutely. He's up there with Lamar. With he does voices that you don't even know he did. You won't even know it was him to you the credits. But what guy can do like anything? And I, I went hunting for different voices, and there are some people that are probably a little bit closer to it. But you just know that Hamill has that flair with his voice work that can be ditzy stupid but sarcastic with undertones and getting all kinds of cool fun things in there for us to make it enjoyable and in fact he might make snarf actually tolerable whereas in the cartoon you wanted that thing dead every episode so yeah and i think he definitely has that um that 80s and 90s voice acting quality like i could see I could see his snarf being kind of an offshoot of his Joker almost like kind of in that, that vein, that higher pitch. I yeah. can see it for sure. Yeah. yeah. He could find, he'd find it. Right. Oh, yeah. Who'd you have? Uh, I, I had actually I had a couple for this one because yeah, same sort of idea. I kind of was like, well, really, I think there's at least a few people that I think could do that kind of voice. Uh, and again, in that case, it's almost, entirely just going to be the voice i can't imagine they're putting anybody in a snarf suit uh, although i'd see it uh, i went with uh john mulaney for oh, yeah. snarf yeah yeah I, I i thought he could do kind of the, the whiny thing although as you said and, and i agree you really have to limit that whininess to a point or you would just want to throw something through the screen yeah, yeah i thought about going with that guy from the princess diaries uh the princess bride sorry the bald guy um uh, oh, what was his name wallace sean i thought about him but i'm like you know what i would be tired of that because narf will get a lot of lines mm-hmm. right so i think it was we had to i had to find someone that could make it enjoyable and you think about the amount of lines hamill had uh as the joker for example and and, and other things he's voiced over it doesn't burn you out 
So that that was important because it's a character that can really suck. So I think he could save it. Yeah, and I do kind of hope that. And this sounds bad, maybe, and it, maybe it was different as the show went on. But just based on watching the pilot, I hope they cut back how much snarf there actually is because the cartoon even did though they did they did scale it back a bit. Yeah, he, um, you know what he is? It's that thing in the '80s cartoons. He, Masters of the Universe was the same thing. Cr- with the, cringe, with, he's cringer. Well, I was thinking Orko, but same idea. Like you've got this yeah. kind of whiny assistant nanny kind of character. Yeah, yeah, Orko. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, these next two. I mean, uh, you're going next, but I didn't give a shit about these two. Like, I honestly, oh, I, I really like... didn't think that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I had some, I had some fun with this one. So for Wiley Cat, which was the female of the twins, which was traditionally smarter, she was traditionally not the one that got them into trouble. She was the one that usually salvaged the situation as long as she could for the older Thundercats to save them because. Wiley Kit was the one that usually fucked it all up. So it's important in noting that. So I had two choices here, and I wasn't sure where I wanted to go. So I first went with Letitia Wright, who is, uh, oh my God. Uh, Black Panther's sister. Yeah, yes, Siri. I can't think of her name. So Siri, that's right. Yeah, so Siri, because I'm like, again, totally physical, capable actor, smart, intelligent, and just has portrayed that well, but yet fun, you know, childlike. She can do that. So she can capture that character quite well. I think she can handle the physicality. But if we want to go a little more physicality, because the Thundercats are like crazy athletes, right? Um, I was going with Maisie Williams. Arya Stark. She was my number two for, for, <laughs> for Wiley Cat. Yep. Yeah, I just totally think she, it fits her. I think she does it very well. She is smart, but yet mischievous enough that she gets into shit, but not the same way Wiley, Wiley Kit does. Um, and, and she's small, and she does look very youthful, even though she's getting older. She still looks like she's a young, young lady. So, so I just thought it worked well. Although it wouldn't matter because CGI. Yeah, I, I will say uh, I we we did finally watch um, the hell is it called uh, the New Mutants, and oh, yeah. she's actually she's quite good in it. Like I haven't seen her in a lot of stuff she's, that wasn't Game of Thrones. She's I, I thought she I was good. I saw her in Eye Boy, I think it was, and the kid got the cell phone blown into his head. Um, it's really good, as, as you do. <laughs> really good, by the okay. way. Right, She's right. good. She's good. She's got chops, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my pick for Wiley Cat, I don't know, maybe uninspired, but I went with uh, Millie Bobby Brown. I, I had her on a short list. I, I thought. Yeah. She has, like, that. She can do that. Think like the the Sherlock uh, thing she did, where uh, she was she's got that um, I don't know how to say it. Like she's got that uh, that air of sophistication, or she can have that air of sophistication, that intelligence. She but could, the, clum- the, the clumsiness is still there. If right, she wants to put it in, exactly. Yeah. She she represents that tween age very good, where she's. You know who else I'd cast her as if, if we were doing cartoons would be like um like Penny from Inspector Gadget. She's, yeah, 100%. she's smarter than her age, but yeah. she still has those times where she See, has and, the younger thing. Your, your pick might work better with one of my Wiley kits. This is where the casting thing comes in, right? Like because I felt strong about Maisie Williams being that, it actually influenced Wiley Kit as well. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. go ahead. Who do you, who do you got for Wiley so, Kitts? So the... in, in the vein of your Millie Bobby Brown, if we let that take the, the win here, then my Wiley Kit is Finn Wolfhart. Okay. Stranger Things. In a Stranger Things that, uh, thing, yep. And, and not even just because of the Stranger Things connection, because actually the chemistry of how that works works really well. Because if he's going to make the stupid decisions, it's going to be Finn Wolfhart. If he's going to be, you know, running like a bull in a china shop, which is traditional for Wiley Kit, getting them into situations they got to get themselves out of, Billy Bobby Brown's character or ability to portray the character that kind of bails them out till till real help arrives really fits in that dynamic. Okay, um, but the other pick I had actually was Tom Holland. He okay. was somewhere else on things, but then I started thinking about the age of all the Thundercats, and so Tom Holland went from Lionel considerations. Uh, to Wiley Kit. All right. So, it, sorry, is Finn your actual pick, or was Finn I, just I like I, I like going with Finn as the main pick right. now because of your Millie Bobby Brown? I think that that just works really well. Okay. Uh, from I didn't have a second for my Wiley Kit because I didn't think you would pick this one. I went with uh, Jacob Tremblay. Uh, yeah, the, you know, uh, what's he been in? Uh, he was in Room. Yeah, he was in Doctor Sleep. He was in what was that one? Um, was it Kids Boys? probably cycle we messed up. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just thought that he was. Cool. He, he's he's got a good range on him. I could yeah. see. Uh, I think the movie's called Good Good Boys, the one where yeah. it's it, him and the, his friends they get in all kinds of trouble. So like, I could see him doing like the the troublesome stuff. He still has that youth to him as well. I know Millie Bobby Brown is older, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I think in this case, it makes sense because she is a bit more of the mature one, as you said, kind of. So that was uh, that was my pick for uh, Wiley Kit. Perfect. Okay, so about Tigra. Mm-hmm. This is like really contingent on who Chitara becomes. So like literally, I would put this in front of someone else to make a decision. I can't lock this down. I literally have this is like this is just a one A and a one A point one. Like it's just this is contingent on Chitara and Chitara is contingent on Tiger because they are like they were basically they weren't on screen like lovers, but you knew they were essentially the only thing close to a couple in the show, and they were the parents, the closest thing to parents that existed in terms of like that age group. They were the middle aged experienced but not old because Pith, 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 uh, Panthero was older. You know, Lino was younger than them in experience, so they, they're important for guidance, like the, the aunt and uncle of the show kind of idea, however you want to put them. So it's really important that these two have, like, chemistry. they got to be close in age. they got to be physical. They don't need to be overly outspoken, but yet they have to be, like, a presence. Okay? That's kind of important on this. The two picks. So one is Joel Kinnaman. Okay. okay, so that's the younger of the pairing. And the other one's Keanu Reeves. Okay. Don't forget, Tiger was pretty kick-ass. He was pretty capable of himself. He didn't really have to work with much. He had those bola things, so he had to be kick-ass. And he was quite kick-ass with a useless weapon. Those two guys are kick-ass with useless weapons and everything they're ever in. So they're good at it. They're imposing. They're relatively big men. Kinnaman's a very big dude that people don't think about. Uh, Keanu Reeves is like just John Wick, folks. He can do a lot with very little, and it's impressive. He's menacing. 
when he speaks, it matters. If he doesn't speak too much, both these guys do that a lot. And I think they just they personify what Tiger should be. Because ultimately what Lionel kind of wants to be like, but he has to fit he's trying to figure out how to get there. So that's my Tiger picks. There was one quote in the wiki thing that kind of kind of lined me up for the for the next three picks, I think, here. It says where creators Ted Wolf and Leonard Starr described Panthro's character as being based on strength and Chitara's character as being based on speed, Tiger's character was described as being based on integrity. They also mentioned him being kind of a level-headed and sort of, in a lot of cases, the second-in-command to Lionel. So I actually went the other way, whereas you kind of based your tiger on your chitara or at least that was a factor i started with tigra and then had to kind of work backwards with chitara i went uh with idris elba for tigra i thought he could play that level-headed that integrity that um still that do that toughness he he is a little older which kind of skewed my chitara a little bit um but yeah, I thought he would be a good pick for for my for my Tigra. Okay, makes sense. You may or may not see him later on my list. Um, okay, so Chitara, Chitara. So this is how this works. If Joel Kinnaman is is Tigra, then Mila jo, Mila Jovahitch, whatever I never say her last name right, she is Chitara. Okay, so she's that match there. She can mm-hmm. do it. She's done, like, this thing with the Resident Evils, even that new Monster Hunter. Like, she just does it. She does it well. Go back to um, Fifth Element. Like, she's just physically very, very capable. And she do- didn't have to be a deep character. She's, like, this stoic type of female. So she's very strong with it. She's good with it. So if Keanu Reeves is Tigra, then it's Robin Wright. Because the- her performance in. Wonder Woman is exactly the type of character she would put into Chitara. Sure, yeah. How old is Keanu Reeves? I mean, I know he's older than he looks. He's in his mid to late 50s, just like Robin Wright is. Yeah. Those, these, these characters line up in ages. Akinaman's a little bit younger than Mila. Okay. Yeah, but they just kind of match up. And if you think of them on screen, I can see these pairs working. That's, that's for me, that's where it works. But they're contingent on each other. Like, you can't do Joel Kinnaman and Robin Wright. Yeah, I, I definitely looked at Wonder Woman as a, like a base because there was obviously a lot of strong female characters in those movies. Yeah. Um, for my Chitara, though, I because I sort of aged it a bit with Idris Elba and I was trying to find... I didn't even think of Robin Wright. I should have. Um, but I ended up going with uh, Charlize Theron. Yeah, uh, it would work, though. Uh because Elba's also a big bastard, so you need, you need the tall woman to match that work. Yeah, I mean, I, especially after seeing her in, like, Atomic Blonde and, you know, the Mad Max, uh, Fury Road. I mean, oh, yeah, she's... the old, she, old guard. I, I haven't seen that yet, but I, I, I do want to. But I thought Hold she would on. be good for, for that pick. Early, early on, I did think about Kristen Stewart in that role. But... <laughs> No, I, she didn't. I couldn't get her to fit with the rest of them. So uh, no, I know, no, no. Yeah. So Charlize I, I Theron was my Chitara. Yeah, Charlize could have worked out pretty good. She might have been better than a Mila pick. 
like Charlie's and Joel Kinnaman could have been very good on set together. And that 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 look, that feel, sure. chem- yeah. potential chemistry too. Who knows? Okay, Jaga. This is a big one, dude. I think. I think this is a big one. This was actually fun because I kind of had like I had, like three names here, man. It's just like I didn't know where I wanted to go with this. Yeah. So where I, like the the what I want, I'll say last. But there was a couple of candidates that were runner-ups, which I don't think work. So I had Sam Jackson. That's potentially a Jaga because okay. yeah, sure. His whole Nick Fury, his Nick Fury thing is just where it, it just depends on the tone of the film where they want to go, right? Like. Because Sam Jackson isn't 100% serious all the time, so it'd be a little bit tougher of a fill. Um, Mads Mikkelsen, I threw it in there as a... Because he's not young, but he's not old, but if you age him accordingly, he could work depending on where you go with Lionel. And that's the thing. like This is kind of like the lineage of Lionel, so you're kind of stuck with a little bit that's got to make sense. And why I think my last pick is probably the best. Uh, Ian McShane. Okay. American God, American Gods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he's, but for me, he's probably of those three. I'm going to say Ian McShane's the guy I'm going to go with first. And Deadwood and the John Wick yeah. movies, and yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's like he's that guy. Yeah, and I can see him doling out the the wisdom. I mean, that's essentially well, what that role is. He's dole out the, dole he's out the Obi Wan, the hardened warrior that doles out the wisdom with a little bit of sarcasm and wit because you're an idiot. Line up. And that's exactly who Big Shane is. Yeah. Oh, actually, <laughs> immediately when you said that, I thought of uh, uh, Hot Rod, where all he does in that movie is shit on Andy Samberg for being a dumbass. So that's perfect. Uh, I yep. went with I went with a safe classic choice. I went with Liam Neeson. Uh, I th- yeah, he would have been good too. I yeah. just I, I thought you know as the again the wise elder kind of thing. He's got the voice beat. I've seen, also so, I've seen see, so much stuff with Liam Neeson that lately about him having to track and kill people down. That it's, yeah. it's hard for me to envision him as the wise guy. It's true. I mean, it's been a while since he's done that. My backup was Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's fan casted on a couple of websites for that job too. Oh really? Okay. Right so, okay. okay. Get, getting down to the wire here. So, uh, Panthero, Panthero, I don't know, Panthero, however you guys refer it. I didn't realize there was an Enid. I've known it was Panthero my whole life, so there was a uh, Panthero threw me off. Uh, so Panthero, because I know him as. I landed, and I hate to say that I, I went with two very particular people on this one, but I think it was the right call. And it depends how old, it, it really depends on how old everyone's cast, okay? There is so much depending on this, right? So, like, if it's the Joel Kinnaman and, say, Mila Jovich for Tiger and Chitera, Panthro has to be older than them. Okay, because he's the, he's the oldest Thundercat next to Jaga that isn't part of leadership, but he's, like, the backbone of things. So, mm-hmm. so you got to, the age matters, right? So, if I went with the younger Tiger and Chitara, then I can get away with Mike Coulter being Panthro. Oh, uh, Luke Cage. Luke Cage, right? The name sounds familiar. I couldn't think. I of can get away, and he, I think, embodies it perfectly. He's a physical presence. He's he's intelligent. He's stalwart. Um, he's smart ass. He can he stands up for himself. He stands up for everybody else. He can pull shit together when he has to. But he doesn't need to be the man in charge. He doesn't need the spotlight. Doesn't he? exactly what Panther is. Mike Coulter did it, like beautifully in, in Luke Cage, and so I think he could do that really well. Now, if we go on the older side of things, if we got Cano and we got Robin Wright. And this is where Idris Elba came in for me. Yeah. 
Gus, that's what that worked for me. So where did you land? Uh, so you take everything that you just said and do the opposite. And that's who I picked for Panthro. I went with Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel, who, by the way, is nearly 60 years old, I looked up. It blew my goddamn mind. Does he I know can't. that he's that old? Because he does not act like it. He really should. Uh, he's not what, allowed to be in anything that's not Fast and the Furious. No, here's, here's, this is where I'm, this is the, my only defense. And I, and I think you'll agree with it if he could ever get back to this. Uh, Man Apart. Remember Man Apart? Vague, yeah, yeah. There was a time when he wasn't just playing Dom in every movie. Yeah, Pitch Black, too, don't forget. Yeah. Yes, much like The Rock. By the way, this is how this would never happen because you wouldn't have The Rock and Vin Diesel in a movie together again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But much like I'm giving The Rock a a lot of leeway here uh, for half of his character, I'm also giving Vin Diesel a lot of leeway here for half of his character. Both actors, I have actually seen possibilities that this could work. Vin Diesel, obviously, you know, whatever. He can do the tough guy thing, the the brooding thing. Where his trouble might be would be things like, I'm to believe he's to be a mechanic or engineer? I don't know. Maybe pilot. Uh, But yeah, I don't know. I For some reason... I was willing to give him a shot and I do want him to do something different. Like for some reason, my go-to thought was, you know, Thundercats, that's the movie where all these actors are going to, they're going to play completely different characters than they've ever done. This will be, you know, uh, Vin Diesel has gotten the chance to do that. He's groomed. Okay. Yeah, that's true. My backup was Batista, but I, 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 him, I wasn't I sure. Him, I had him shortlisted. Yeah. I had him shortlisted. But I think there's more sagely wisdom out of sarcasm that's necessary, where Batista isn't the sagely wisdom out of sarcasm. He's just sarcasm. And so the sagely wisdom comes out of it. I feel Coulter can bring that into the role, and I thought Elba could bring that into the role. Elba does that really wonderfully. The same yeah. reasons you wanted Elba for Tiger. It's just like, that's what he can do. Yeah, And, and he just captivates it. So I... And, and, Idris Elba seems to have been born at 50 years old and, and now will be 60 over the entire life of his existence. Like this man was, is always perennial, will be 50 to 60 years old till he dies. Yeah. And he was born at 50. So I just, he captivates those roles. Because I remember watching Luther thinking, how old is this guy? He's 50 there. How old is he now? And then I watch him in like fast, whatever stupid number it was. And it's like, he's still the same age somehow. But I've been watching him for over a decade. So I just, I'm lost. In fact, he seems like he's younger in the fast movie, so I'm just all over the place. Again. He's timeless. Okay. He's time, sure. timeless, is what they say, right? Okay, Lionel. This was hard. I ended up with like a whack of people, and I couldn't even narrow them down. Like, I mean, and they're kind of interchangeable parts <laughs> some ways. Because I think this character is not that hard for a Hollywood star to play, to be honest with you. And I don't think it's as important as the supporting cast. Like the supporting cast at the end of the day is what makes Lionel effective. Because mm-hmm. Lionel just is a spoiled brat. So just like, ultimately. Yeah, he's a child in a young man's body, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because, I mean, if you watch the show, it's exactly what happened, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like he, he grew up really fast and his brain didn't. So, so who can play that? Who can be a child in a man's body is ultimately what I captivated out of this. Without too much sarcasm. Got to pull back a little bit, right? It's got to be somewhat... Can do the dim-witted, can can have his moment of clarity, 
It can be really dumb up to that point. Who can do that? And to be fair, I thought that was a bigger list in Hollywood. In fact, it's not. It, it was actually a harder list to come across. So I got a few people. I got James McAvoy as one, potentially. But I feel like he might be a little too stoic because he played Professor X. So once he did that, it's like, eh, that ain't going to work. Um, I have either Hemsworth brothers. Depending on age casting, if you needed him to be a little bit older, a physical body, you can go with Chris. You want to go younger, you can go Liam. And I think the physicality of it works, the size of him, he's supposed to be a big dude, right? Um, childlike, oh my God, both of them. Can they have moments of like, just look at Thor, first of all, right? Um, and then you can look at the Expendable films. Like, it's, it's it for Liam. Like, it's, they can do it. They can do Stupid Kid grows up through film, right? So they can, they can do that very, very easily. But my last pick, which is a bit of a dark horse and more of a secret favorite that I think I would enjoy, um, is Jason Momoa. Really? Hmm. Yeah. I just hmm. feel like, I think he could do it. I watched Conan the other day, and I was like, you know, Momoa can do more than people, like, and actually no one discredits what he can do. The guy can do anything. Um, I think Aquaman has, like, cemented him as a little bit more of a, not the child, more of the strong, sarcastic, back his shit up type dude. So the childlike part is harder to swallow. Like, that's where the Hemsworth, I think, worked that better. Uh, but I, I think he's capable of doing it. So. Yeah, I guess I just, yeah, I'm trying to think an example. Hmm. Where I've seen him have that. And I mean, look, I. I Conan's, Conan's the only one I can think of that he's done it. Yeah. I mean, I gave people chances, so I'm willing to give him a shot. I'm not saying that at all. I, I would really have to see the audition. His presence and his sword skills are already high. Right. right. Like he's very like his his work with Conan with the sword was fantastic. He did the stuff with the Trident with Aquaman. So the guy's physical capabilities to be very good delivering on set, very high. Very high. Right. So because when Lionel brings the sword's omen out, calls out Thundercats three times and ready to kick some ass, he's gotta produce. And uh Jason Moa can produce to no end doing that. You wouldn't have to be spend an extra eight months on set to teach the guy some shit. So that's my thought. Yeah. Now my pick, you would uh, absolutely have to spend uh, six to eight months probably for that. Again, I, I was still have the confusing mindset of like, are these people actually physically in this movie? Are they just voicing it? Are they CG? Yeah. I wasn't entirely sure, but I thought for the personality, somebody that could play younger but was, you know, in their 20s, which is kind of where I felt Lionel was. He was, you know, physically probably not peak, but close to peak, but mentally, obviously, much younger. Uh, and I went with Tom Holland. That's where my Tom Holland. Uh, uh, I had him originally. I also, yeah, I, that's, he would do it. He would do well. He would do very well for that. And because uh, the physicality, they can size him. And I did have him there. I had a, I had a real rogue pick. Yeah. That just, I didn't write it down, but it was, it was, it floated in my mind and I couldn't get rid of it whatsoever. Lion Owen could be played by Hayden Christensen. I'm no one wants it. No one wants it. I know that. 
but I think he's going to redeem himself in the Obi-Wan series. In a year's time, we could revisit this because I need to see what he's up to now. I think he's going to redeem himself in uh, in Obi-Wan. Like, he's going to get a chance to play with, like, he's not going to get screwed by the studio and controlled the way the delivery needed to be. And and the lines are going to be such shit. I think he's going to get a way better chance. Um, It's going to be good. I think it's going to be good. And so in that, I think he's going to get some revival. And I think he's still, although I know he's in his 30s, he doesn't look like an old dude. Um, and give me the spoiled, give me a better spoiled brat in Hollywood. Well, he could definitely play the spoiled brat. And, but, he, can wield, but, and he can wield a weapon. I just, my my concern would be if, how much of the the brooding kind of thing is was him and how much was just the way it was direct, directed and written. I don't see Lino as brooding, although maybe some of that would be good to add just to kind of make it so it's not all whiny. I, I don't know. I know what it is. You know why I got, like, not love for the guy, but I tolerate him? Is that I watched, um, it was the expedition race that used to be on. Every year they had this uh, really large global expedition race that would be over, like, like days and days, a couple of weeks. And it was like, it was always done in some southern hemisphere type country and it was you know you had to bike you had to uh hike you had to raft you had to do it was teams of four it was like really severe injury teams were trained trained the entire year to do this thing he did it with his sister and like two other professionals they trained for it to do it and so his his team obviously got a lot of camera times it was only a couple of years after the star wars i think uh episode three mm-hmm. and he got a lot of camera time in the series i remember watching it and the guy was like awesome like he was a he was a cool dude who was funny in a shitty situation. He was supportive with his sister and the team. He was a good leader when he needed to be. Like his personality of like who he was as a person really came out on that show. And I'm sure not a lot of people caught it. And when I saw that, I'm like, this guy's been, you know, really typecast in Hollywood, unfortunately, because it was such a you know polarizing role. There's way more to this dude. Um, and he's not gonna get the chance to do it. And so I'm really excited to see if he gets to have a bit more freedom and and solid directing and script writing and and all those pieces that come with it for him to really encapsulate uh some dark fader stuff so that could be good for him i think he's totally capable it might give him a little bit of a jump start back in hollywood too as how he's old? in how yeah, old is he you know yeah he might be too old for i know I, I gotta admit that he's the same age but, as um, you 39 yeah but he looks a hell of a lot younger than i do so he might be able to pull it <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't say it. That's yeah, but see, Lino doesn't have to be twenty. Lino well, I, no, he just, doesn't. You're right. He doesn't. He, he I mean, quite frankly, he can be a, like he was accelerated. He could be Chitara, Chitara, and Tigra's rough age. So, depending what you cast there, if you go back to that younger casting selection conversation. How would Kinnaman? You could easily have Hayden Christensen be Hayden Christensen being that roughly close to the same age as Kinnaman. And then being on set instantly, you have stoic, responsible fighter, veteran, warrior, like everyone. This is the guy that everyone wants to believe Kinnaman. And then this is the kid that when he shits on fire, he's awesome. But otherwise, he's just really a pain in the ass. And people got to keep him in control. Hayden Christensen. That works really well. Okay. All right. Well, seeing Keanu Reeves, we just expect Keanu Reeves to kill Christensen at some point, be, be in, in a capable to tolerate him. So, sleep. so it would have to be. 
He's just trying to sleep and he rolls over and it's just shh, shh, pillow over the face. Yeah. Yeah. This is for my dog. Yeah. He snarfs dead in the corner. Yeah. Told back, told, told, turn on its head. Someone's recently killed Snarf. Well, we all need them to do it. Yeah. Anyways, this was really fun. Talking about it, like getting this out there, it was really fun. I don't know if any of our listeners have ever done this before for a film. I mean, I think we've all watched something and said to ourselves, uh, this person should have been there. But to take something that is um, just a property that hasn't been there yet and to go through and to try to come up with cast on it and, and logically, like, why? That was a lot of fun. I think it was definitely something that was bigger, maybe like in the 90s and the early 2000s. Like, I think before we were drip fed information about movies where it was you would maybe know a movie was being made, but then you wouldn't hear anything about it for like a year. So you kind of just had to guess on the casting. Whereas now we like, we get fed like, Oh, they've cast this person. And then the next day they've cast this person. Like I know everybody that's cast for the last of us, for example, on, on HBO, that'd be another one where it'd be an interesting casting thing. So I think for us in our teens and and, and growing up, I think it was a bigger thing, but it's fun. I, I like it. And especially now, if you can catch something before you've got any idea what mm-hmm. the studio is even thinking, which is, you know, for this is, is perfect. Yeah, I would love, like, we have this now archived in an episode. I, I can't wait till they actually announce it. We go back, like, did we get any of it? Probably not. There's no way the budget that, can hold anything. That's exactly it. We, we, we will follow up. When the cast is announced, we're going to have a follow-up episode. We're just going to go one by one through each cat, cast member. I, I think like, the only one that I may have got right is either Simon Pegg and Nick Frost or Kristen Stewart. I just think everyone else, there's no way. I feel like Kristen Stewart will be out of luck in Hollywood and she will be ready to be Retaro. Oh, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know if there's any Kristen Stewart fans listening. Hey, sorry. I I actually also thought Emma Watson could do that role. Oof, man. Because no, the reason I said her is because she's actually a really dynamic actress who probably can do anything. And since there's like a bit of a general type person that that person needs to be there, Taro needs to be, there's a whole other line of things. And I think she could just like pull that shit out of her ass and steal the whole goddamn movie. Uh, but, but that's not where we went. Mumra also could be a female. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I thought about that, but I just couldn't land on anyone that was going to do the role, like the kind of how I wanted it to be done. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't really think there's any of the villains that you couldn't gender swap or, or change around. I thought, about gender, I thought about gender swap and Panthro, too. Yeah. Oh, at one point, I thought about that. But again, I was struggling with the land of who that would be um, because it was such a the character was so. I don't think you see a character written like that today the same way it was then. It is strange, like of the main villains, there isn't a female, uh, and there might have been later <laughs> on. But like with Masters of the Universe, you got you know villains, uh, male and female. Yeah, but the Masters of the Universe also had like six hundred characters, so it That's just it, it, it's just they were just barely. And, and to be fair, if we really go back and look at some of the Masters, which I think is the next that this is the next fan casting we need to do is Masters of the Universe. That is 100% who we need to do. Now, the hard part is we need to narrow the list out ahead of time on who we're going to do, who we, who, we, who constitutes to be characters to be done, because it's and just this is a, a live, live action Masters of the Universe? 100% live action, okay. yeah. And this is live action, where the only CG is going to be Skeletor, Battlecat, and Orko. 
Okay. Because who else would who else would you have to CG? Oh, the guy with the three eyes that his head spun around. There's a few. Yeah, there's a few where you're like, uh, they might have to do a little tweaking on that. Person. Beast, Beast Man, Beast Man can be some tweaking, but I wouldn't have to go too far. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, so, we'll think. Yeah. Of, we'll, we'll think about this for for a future episode for sure. I do want to point out too, while googling or yet YouTubing Thundercats, there is a lot of Thundercats opening theme covers. Like I've seen metal covers, pop covers, different languages. People love that song. Yeah, did you did you watch any of the cartoon that got relaunched in the two thousands? I did not. I refused Ooh. to. Yeah, don't. Just like they, they did the same thing with Masters of the Universe. I wasn't a big fan of the, the relaunch of that one too. Not the new one coming up, but the one that came out. In the yeah, late I want, 90s I'm going to give, give the new one a shot because Kev Smith did it, but I don't know yet. I, I've been watching the Castlevania that right. uh, was the same animation studio and stuff, and right. I, I, it is good. It is mm. good. I'm not a big fan of that, but my my one daughter has gotten into anime quite a bit, and she's convinced me to try to watch some stuff. It's very rich storytelling. I, I will give it that. Um, insanely violent, um, but like, I kind of walked in and went, "What are we watching?" Because I remember watching cartoons like this when we were a kid, and we were told not to watch, so um, they didn't really exist. So the equivalent of the dark internet in our childhood, if it existed. So, um, anyways, yeah. I just kind of was a little shocked, and then I found out how mainstream all of that is, and then I had this whole existential piece where I started to realize that the youth is fucked if they're all watching anime. Uh, so anyways, I went and had a beer and calmed down. Fair enough. Good old lockdown. Well, definitely, if uh, if any of our listeners have their own picks for any of these characters, certainly uh, hit us up on social media. We're at Happy Zen Podcast. You can comment on the website, happyzen.com. As uh, some of our super fans, formerly Jesse and Adam, do. Uh, no. Yeah, I'm going to challenge you guys. Great. I'm going to challenge you guys. If you're listening to this and you made it all the way through this, I want you guys to come up with something that we can fan cast together. You can't have a lot of characters because at the end of the day, there's four of us on here. So we got to think about content wise. No one's going to listen to four hours of us fan casting something and arguing. Although the arguing could be entertaining. Um, but yeah, certainly if you guys can come up with something you want to think of anything, I don't care if it's a, a movie that was done that we want to recast, if it was a television series that you guys think should be a film or vice versa or a cartoon or something, but it's got to fit the genre of the, the Zennial podcast. So it's got to come from the eighties and nineties, like, you know, late eighties, uh, nineties, what we grew up through. So something that's going to take us from either our childhood or teenage years that, uh, we want to recast. Do you want to recast Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Do you want to do... I don't know. Let's just. There's lots of ideas out there. Anyone else listening? You got some feedback on it? Throw it out to us. Give us ideas. What you think needs to be, or you want to hear our ridiculous mindsets go to, and get a chance to get to know Jesse and Adam a little bit, and uh, that they are uh, just as out there. I mean, you heard it. Adam thought X three was not only decent but the best of the X movies. So you can imagine where his brain might go. And Jesse is an encyclopedia when it comes to film, so he will nail characters that will make sense that we didn't know existed and then it'll be hard for us to justify our picks, but it'll be great. Yeah. Also we're at that point now where we only speak through podcasts. So, uh, you know, we will listen for their response via podcast and we will, uh, then respond to them via podcast. Why would we talk to each other directly? Well, who has that kind of time? I mean, really? 100%. Yeah. All right. Well, unless you've got something else, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, stay safe folks. The end is near. I, yeah. <laughs> Don't, no, 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 no. Don't say it like that. In, in a good way. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, uh, the light at the end of the tunnel end, not the other end. 
Yeah. Yeah. The light at the end of the tunnel, it may or may not be a train. (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit. Okay. Well, (laughs) I guess that's it for now. Uh, Until next time, we will talk to you later. Later. Later.